everyone, and welcome to On Tour With. The podcast where we go on tour with your favorite bands and talk to them about their lives on and off tour and everything in between. I'm Jaden. And I'm Spencer. Let's hit the road. Hey, everyone, and welcome to On Tour With. Today, we're going on tour with Corbin from Rarity. How are you, Corbin? Good. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing so great. It's been a been a long day but like we're here now <laughs> we're did so you guys did did you guys work today at all i oh, like, yeah. just finished like a nine hour shift Oof. so i'm like full of energy right now yeah i did oh gosh i think i did a, an 11 hour today Damn, but okay, we, you win <laughs> okay I, I this is not my... like a one-upping contest i just was trying to relate um <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no for sure yeah if it helps i only did eight so he's a weakling it's fine it's fine um <laughs> Yeah, we both actually, um, we work for the same company. We work for home, from home. Uh, they move us, moved us to work from home when the pandemic went down and everything. So nice. um, w- initially, this room was like our like office, podcast, music studio, craft room. And then I was like, I need some space. So I moved my desk into the living room. <laughs> so oh, Okay, that's cool. Now we're like, but yeah, that's. Yeah, our this, lives consist inside the house regularly. That's good that like uh, COVID didn't really like make you guys get out of work or anything. Like no. you, oh, yeah. your April, May, June still went on like as normal. Yeah, you were just at home. Yeah, we were just at home. I mean, I consider us like like extremely blessed. So. Yeah, I feel really fortunate. So I actually started this job a week before the pandemic started. Like the whole wow. nation shut down. And so, like, I didn't even get trained in the office. Like, all of my training was done from here at home. But had I wow. not switched jobs, uh, I would have been out of a job probably for a little bit. Yeah. Dude, the exact same thing happened to me. So, like, I switched restaurants. Like, the same restaurant, but instead of the location in Hamilton, Ontario, I got switched to the location in Burlington, Ontario, which is, like, half an hour away um and yeah it was like a a lot better of like a situation they were like paying me more uh everyone's better and at their job and stuff and that was like a week before everything shut down uh so yeah i was like all ready to do like my 40 hour weeks and stuff um and then i was reduced to like 12 hours a week um and even then like i'm i'm the type of person that like I have to be working. I I need to do the 40 hours a mm-hmm. week if I'm not on tour. Like, I'll go crazy. So I definitely felt like a lot of uh, stir craziness, like cabin fever-esque uh, feelings over the past few months. Yeah. But they're, like, oh, yeah. slowly going away now. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about you a little bit. How did you get into music? What were kind of some of your inspirations to get into this? Um, I was actually thinking about this at work today because I knew this was going on. So I was just like running through like my life. Like I was like, like <laughs> yeah. chronicling my life in my head while like making food. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, I think the first like bands that like got me into music, like it, it, my music listening has gone through like so many different cycles, uh, throughout my life. But I feel like the very first memories, uh, that I'm like attached with uh, are probably like buying Dude Ranch by Blink, um, <laughs> yeah. seeing like 
like my first show was Good Charlotte right Ooh. after Young and the Hopeless came out. Oh, um, so good. And actually three of the guys in Rarity, me, Loden, and Adam, we were all at the same Good Charlotte show in like 2004 or something. So I would have been like nine. Um, <laughs> so going to the first show being Good Charlotte, that really, you know, got me in the door of like, you know, listening to like emo music and stuff. Um, and like, pop punk and like that whole window um but probably buying dude ranch probably seeing good charlotte uh live when i was really young um probably honestly like evan and rarity like he got into drumming from rock band and i was thinking about this today so i'm gonna say it like honestly guitar hero like legends of rock that helped so much because it got me like wanting to play guitar and I tried for like a year and then it hurt my fingers. So I gave up and then I tried again in like grade eight. Um, Fallout Boy just put out like Folia De, which is like an incredible album. And so I think it was then that I finally went from like, I stopped like trying to learn like Smoke on the Water and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to learn this album. So I learned and I've never done like tabs before at this point when I was, you know, 12 or 13. And so I just looked up Folia de tabs by fallout boy. And I learned what like drop tuning your guitar was. I learned what drop D was. And I just, you know, I knew where the notes were and I just tried my best looking at the computer and I did not leave my basement until I learned like five <laughs> Folia de songs. And they were like the easiest songs on the album. But I you think start that somewhere. was like, it's okay. those are like some tidbits of like my first like musical memories that like I can think of. It's funny that you say like the, I, the finger hurting thing. I feel like every, maybe it's just me, but I feel like almost like every person who started out playing the guitar, like played it when they were younger and then like, this hurts too much. And then a couple years later, picked it back up or a couple months later or whatever. And they're like, I'll get over oh, it. Yeah. I want to be a rock star. And like, oh, yeah. like everyone goes through that stage of like it's not worth it it's worth it kids don't give up i think <laughs> it is worth it um yeah grade six i think grade six i tried and then i gave up and then grade eight was finally like okay i'm going into high school next year it'd be cool to like start a band so i use grade eight as like learn like my learning i use grade nine as my learning and then i started my first band in grade 10 so and honestly, everyone has, like, like a really bad, like, first high school band. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, we weren't great or anything, but honestly, we weren't, we weren't bad. And I'm not trying to, like, like, flex on having a good first band. But it's, like, obviously, we weren't that good, but it's not like we were horrible. And so, like, I am, I am fortunate that my first band wasn't, like, an absolute, like, tire fire. <laughs> well, I mean, not every band is bad. I mean, let's look at, like, Paramore yeah, started Paramore out when they were like 15 and like I think so did Panic at the oh, Disco and like a couple others yeah. I mean you know it, I've it's always okay. I've always been so amazed sorry to cut you off I'm just no. so amazed that like Brendan Yuri, he was in like high school when he wrote uh I write since not what's the first yeah and just like like every other song on that record too. yeah Wait, why can't i think oh a fever you can't sweat yeah out. yeah he was in high school writing all of those lyrics like that's so good like he had such a 
impressive vocabulary for such a young person. And it's and, so poetic as well at the same time. Yeah. I uh that was one thing like Panic was never one of my like main inspirations, but one thing that I always respected them for and always loved them for was like his vocabulary. Like, yeah. It, it's such a good vocabulary and that's what made me want to like, you know, I haven't read a book in probably 10 years, but same from like, you know, 2005 to 2010, I like, I'd read the Harry Potter books. Yeah. I'd, I'd read all that just because I wanted my vocabulary to be as good as Brendan Urie's. Yeah. Let me tell you, working an office job gives you some type. <laughs> my emails are fire. Okay. But that'll do it. it. Yeah. That's it. I don't have any lyrical experience. I just listened to Copacetic by Knuckle Puck and then I have an instantly bigger vocabulary. Oh yeah, they they use some uh, they use some big words on copacetic. Just in general, knuckle puck has used uh, a lot of. I, I like, yeah, I like their vocab. I saw like an in well an AP article that was like ten words that we learned from listening to copacetic. It was like this is the stupidest article I've ever read, but I love it at the same time. Yeah, they're just like trying to trying to fill their, I guess. Fill their like content quota for the month or something. They're like running out of things to cover. <laughs> so eloquent. <laughs> anyway, let's uh let's talk a little bit more about kind of the formation of rarity and then uh kind of your own solo project. Um cool. so when did you kind of start when did rarity kind of start forming? How did that happen? Um well, I'm not an original member, so um, I'll walk you through what it was like being like an outsider um, until 2017 when I sort of joined. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to be in a band called Downstream. Rarity used to be called Face Value. Um, we would play shows together in Hamilton. We were, you know, friends for a while. We always, you know, would play or go to each other's shows. Um, and then. Um, yeah, it started off with like, um, it started off with Evan and like Loden and, uh, Zach and Alex, they used to be in the band. So they would like jam and stuff. Uh, they brought Adam into the mix. Um, and they sort of developed like the initial iteration of, uh, rarity, which was called face value um then rarity or face valley had to change their name to rarity um they went off and did some tours around that time i was still like you know we're still in each other's lives but like Mm -hmm. i wasn't in the band um and also cole wasn't in the band yet he was a band called parkside from oakville so this is all like within an hour of each other we were all like interconnected in like the hamilton you know community right yeah um and then um rarity's touring i'm you know downstream did a few tours parkside's playing shows and then fast forward uh to like summer of 2016 um adam asked me if i wanted to fill in for the like pacific headliner um which was like pacific uh broadside rarity and boston manor and and Boston Manor opened that tour. Like Boston Manor would headline that tour now. Oh but yeah. yeah, yeah. Boston Manor, 
That was their first time overseas. And yeah, they were on that tour. So I filled in for that tour because Adam asked me to and I wanted to. So I did it. Yeah, clearly. Um, and then I, <laughs> I joined the band in the beginning of 2017. Uh, Cole joined the band a little bit after because uh, he was still like doing Parkside stuff. Yeah. Um, Downstream broke up in like May of 2017. And then all, all the while, while this is all going on, so I basically joined the band and then we started writing the second record. Mm-hmm. So at that time, it was me, Loden, Adam, and Evan. And the four of us wrote The Longest Lonesome. We played like five shows in 2017. We were like very inactive. Um, but yeah, it was my first time writing with a band that I joined. So yeah. it's like I've always like started bands like from the ground up. And I've never just joined a band that already exists before, right? So... Yeah, that was a new experience. Did a lot of like writing in the studio uh, in like October of 2017. Um, then we came out of 2017 with an album. Uh, we sat on onto it for a while or held onto it for a while. Um, we did a bunch of touring in 2018, um, bunch of touring 2019, dropped the album last August. Uh, and then, you know, Obviously, there's a bunch of stuff in the middle, and now I'm here talking to you guys. So that is like a very quick, detailed run of Rarity from like 2014 until now. Yeah. That's cool. You guys are all kind of like that same like music community, and you kind of like picked pieces from different people and different bands and formed. I like it. Yeah. It was, so. uh, it was just sort of like good timing. Um, cause like I, I don't know. I've never wanted to just do like one musical thing. I feel like I have a lot of ideas that need a lot of different outlets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, downstream was like my writing outlet. Rarity was going to be like my like writing like sick riffs outlet. And then my solo music has always been like my my baby, which is like my every single thought and like emotion is like my solo stuff. Um so yeah, I think it's good having like more than one creative outlet, especially when you have more than one creative thing to say or yeah. convey with other people. For sure. I uh I want to take a tangent for a second uh because you mentioned yeah. something. Um and this was heartbreaking to me when this happened. Um so Longest Lonesome Longest Lonesome was originally supposed to come out in April of last year. Correct. Yeah. And then it got postponed to August. Uh, and I remember reading the note and it's, it said, we recorded an album that essentially shouldn't exist. Yep. Um, yep. W- why was that? Um, or if this is too personal, you don't have to answer. No, no, I, I, I'm an open book. And it's like, it's not really like a, a full, it's not like a full deep, you know, answer or whatever um i think uh because like i don't do any of like the rarity socials i don't really uh write any of the posts um but i still can give my own like personal insight on stuff right yeah um so basically um when it was just the three of the guys like adam loden evan um they were sort of like in a very like tricky they were in like a tricky spot because they didn't know if they wanted to like continue the band 
They didn't know how to continue the band. They were down two members. They had to find two new members. So the whole thing of the album not existing was just like um, them just being like super uncertain, uh, like before I joined the band and before Cole joined the band, because they didn't really have like a full on like five piece band. Um, They didn't have, you know, five people contributing, whether it be financially or you know emotionally physically whatever um so when it said that in the note of like this album shouldn't exist it was just like just like an ode to like how the band almost you know didn't make it through and then we did make it through so it's all good now okay right on that's just something that i've always like ever since that got posted i've always wanted to like no, and I think I forgot to ask when uh, I saw you guys last year during the yeah. August Lonesome tour, but, like, I don't know. I just thought that was, like, something so unique to to have said um, that it, it essentially, literally, it, it said essentially should not have existed. So uh, that's, uh, that's a lot better than what I was uh, hoping. Or not <laughs> yeah. hoping. That's a lot better than what I thought it meant. I think I was yeah. thinking it yeah. meant just, like, it was trashy songs, trashy recordings. And so we just scrapped oh, the entire album. Oh, yeah. No, de- definitely not that. We uh, we worked on it for a long time, you know, with an awesome producer, Sam Guayana. Yeah. And his mixes sound better and better all the time. So, yeah, definitely, definitely wasn't that. Okay, it was just good. like a little, a little bit of like polite transparency with keeping some sort of like mystery behind it. So like people yeah. will wonder, um, and I guess it worked. Um, but yeah, yeah. Everything worked out for, for the best. And, yeah. you know, e- even with like the album having to get like postponed, cause we were, uh, going to do that. And then new damage contact us and wanted to put the album out and work together. So even with that, like everything worked out the way it, it was destined to work out. And if that meant, you know, pushing it back from April to August, then, you know, so be it. You know, that doesn't yeah. change like what the songs mean to us. It doesn't change like how good I think the songs are. Um, you know, sometimes you just have to be patient. And that was one of those times. For sure. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned that so since you've been with you started in 2017 you did a lot of you did touring in 2018 2019 so now that you kind of have that in your belt what's been kind of like your favorite part about touring um favorite part about touring with rarity or just like in general um in general probably rarity in general in general um, <laughs> um or okay, if there are two different this... favorites you know you can say two different favorites <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know why I asked that because like my favorites are probably the same regardless. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I'm just like trying to trying to think of like where to start. I like doing I like keeping myself busy on tour. Um mm-hmm. I think my favorite part of touring is probably doing merch. Um cuz I do like I do merch for Rarity and my solo stuff and then I TM for Rarity and my solo stuff and then I drive a little bit. Driving's probably like my least favorite thing. Um, yeah, most favorite. Um, I guess I love doing merch. I love like meeting new people in you know every city. Um, obviously, the twenty four seven like go 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 nature of it, it sucks. But 
you know, finally when we're all loaded in and like I can just like sit down, you know, have a beer at the merch table and just like talk to random people that, you know, are trying to have a nice conversation. I think that's my favorite thing because I've met like, I've met like just longtime friends from doing that. I've met, you know, just from sitting next to like the other merch guys or merch girls. And it's just, you know, it's just a very nice time. And I'll always know that I have a seat in the venue because my seat will be at the merch table. There you go. Um, yeah. And I'm, that's not like, I'm not discrediting. Um, I'm not discrediting like the actual playing of the music. Yeah, Cause obviously I love, I love that too. Um, I'm getting like notifications. I should have turned that off. Um, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, short answer is doing merch is my favorite part of touring. Yeah. I, every time, I feel like every time I've gone to like a merch table, whether it's just to like say hi or actually purchase things, you always like end up meeting like the funny people, the funniest people, or like you have like the funniest conversations and like. <laughs> They're just good times. I to this day my favorite <laughs> experience I had at a merch table. We would like we were I think we were at a hot mulligan show, and they have a grinder, okay, and yeah. and so this guy comes up and he picks it up and he's like, "Huh, what is this?" And the guy's like, "It's a grinder," and he's like, "Oh, for what?" And the guy's like, "If you ask, I'm not telling you." <laughs> and like. I just remember something. Yeah, like it was the funniest thing to me. Like you probably don't want it. (laughs) If you have to ask, I'm not gonna tell you. (laughs) But that's cool. I love that. (laughs) It's for my cheese. It's for all of my cheddar cheese. Yeah, it's like grind down my cheese because I don't want to buy it pre shredded. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You you said something that uh, I think is a first on our show that you don't like driving. I feel like every single person that we've talked to has said that driving is like their favorite thing to do in the van. And really? Yeah. A lot of people like it. Um I just like it's not like the worst thing. Um but yeah, I don't maybe just like driving after a show. Like I- I'm down to like drive during the day. I don't really like driving more than like three hours. I feel like a three hour shift is like good. You know, I've done my part then I can switch out. Yeah. But it's just nice being able to like finish the show, have a few beers and me and not having to worry about like the end of the night. I'm totally cool with like the beginning of the day. Um, But like, yeah, I don't know. Driving. It's like I, I drive for my job. I drive to and from work. I'm driving all the time. So it's like, I like, I like having a break from driving sometimes. That's all. But, yeah. you know, being in a band, like you, you got to pull your weight. Yeah, for um, sure. And obviously I am capable of driving. So therefore it's like, I, you know, everyone's got to do their part. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, th- the three hour shift is my, my part. Yeah, definitely. I, I enjoy driving. But there definitely gets to a point where you're like, mm, I'm over this. I've driven across the country three times. So. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm like, <laughs> I get you. I got That's you. That's nuts. Yeah. On the Longest Lonesome Tour last year, uh, I actually, that was before I started driving. I only started driving 
um, the summer or the rarity summer tour last year. So the longest lonesome April tour, um, Loden did like, I want to say like 20% of the driving and Adam did like 80% of the driving. He was just like, (laughs) he just wanted to drive. Like even in situations where like Loden would be like, Hey man, like I could drive. Adam was like, no, I'm good. Um, and so, yeah, Adam basically drove us around Canada from like Nova Scotia to BC and back uh in oh april of 2019 i i still like i'm just remembering that now like all of the times that adam just crushed like seven hour drives you know eight nine hour drives like they were nothing oh my gosh that's, that's incredible that is quite incredible so uh let's <laughs> what was that i was like that's that's pretty incredible <laughs> driving that long it's not it fun he, he's a legend yeah i think my longest drive i drove from uh el paso texas into salt lake utah and that was like 13 hours oh my god i i've never done that many hated my life mine mine is probably rarity played the final casey show last year in chicago and and sorry spencer i know you were gonna like segue into something no you're good Um, it's okay we can but uh uh just like this one little story um so before rarity got the offer to play the final casey show um casey's one of my favorite bands so i had already organized like a carpool uh to drive in my car to the chicago show so we had five people in my car all ready to go rarity gets the offer like two weeks after and so i was like shit like i'm i don't want to like bail on my friends so basically i drove up separate from the band uh (laughs) the guys went up the day before they stayed at our friend lars's house i'm pretty sure um and then the day of the show we left my house in stony creek ontario at like 8 a.m uh drive probably took like eight hours eight and a half hours so that was like the longest drive that i've done in one stretch yeah and i didn't eat anything i just had like monsters and and you know red bulls um we got to the venue 10 minutes before the rarity sound check it was like the most fast pace like i had to run (laughs) out of my car the guys already had my pedal board set up and my guitar so i basically just had to get on this big stage you know play shawinigan and then like get off and then i could finally breathe that's the casey corbin rarity chicago driving story (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome wow all right, now I'll do my segue. So I was going to say, let's talk about uh, your live show as far as rarity goes. Uh, and then yeah. I also want to talk about your solo project as well, because uh, I know that you have toured with your solo project a little bit as well. Um, yeah. As far as rarity goes, though, um, do you have like a favorite song that you play live? A numbness. That's my favorite song of all time. Um... I don't know, because we just put out Leave It Alone, uh, and we haven't been able to, like, play Leave It Alone live yet. Um, So I feel like since we haven't played Leave It Alone live, I can't say that. So, yeah, my all-time favorite rarity song is A Numbness. Uh, I get to do, like, a sick screaming part in it. I get to do, like, a sick, like, like, soft, melodically sung part at the end. it's probably 
it's just like overall like my favorite song on the longest lonesome and it translated live very well too i feel like once that like scream kicks in after like the first verse like it really captures people's attention um yeah i don't that song used to be something so different like structure wise and now it's at the point where it's like i wouldn't change anything at all Mm -hmm. of a numbness so yeah yeah, a numbness times a hundred right on so on the adverse of that are there any songs that you don't like playing live (laughs) um wow damn well i mean it's not like that i don't like playing them live yeah um but it it's sort of just like i like playing them less like it's literally nothing against i couldn't be weaker i think i couldn't be weaker is a fantastic album um i just i have you know i like playing the songs from the longest lonesome more and i like playing the songs from i couldn't be weaker less it's just like a personal thing just because like i didn't you know, right on that record. Yeah. Um, so the songs don't mean to me as much as songs from The Longest Lonesome do, mm-hmm. but that doesn't discredit them and like their art and all the time that was like spent like putting into them. Uh, so that is my way of sort of avoiding the question, but still giving <laughs> you a good answer. I like it. It's good. <laughs> it works. It so does. I'm surprised you didn't say exhale. I know that like, most of the band doesn't like playing Exhale, right? I love playing Exhale. That's like the one <laughs> song that I didn't write that it's like, you know, it, it means a lot to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, but even before I was in the band, it meant a lot to me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love playing Exhale live. I'm like, I'm one of the, the few that will always be down to play Exhale. Awesome. I, uh, I remember when you, uh, I think it was maybe only the second time that uh, they had done it or that y'all had done it on the tour, but uh, you did an acoustic. It was on the Belmont tour. You did an acoustic rendition of uh, of Exhale. And because we had requested <laughs> that you played Exhale, and I guess you guys were like, okay, we'll, we'll do it. We and did. So, yeah, and that, that was, was like, uh, very spur of the moment. Yeah. I, I think you ended up using Alex from Belmont's his acoustic guitar. Um it's just yeah. and it's just completely plastered in stickers. Um Yeah, it uh helped that he had a guitar for us yeah. to use first yeah. off. <laughs> and and speaking of uh Alex from Belmont, Alex has a side project called Rare Candy, which you Love have it. a side project. Um and I'm pretty sure you guys have toured a few times together, correct? Uh, we did one tour together, yeah. Okay. And you were about to do one before COVID happened, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I think I've done, I think I've done a total of three solo tours. Um, my first one was summer of 2017. My old band had just broken up, and I guess I, I was antsy. I hadn't joined Rarity yet, so I just needed to do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh no wait no i had joined rarity what am i talking about um because it was 2017 um so but rarity wasn't doing anything at the time other than Mm -hmm. writing so it's like i needed something to tour off of so um this band goldfinch uh they're another great band uh from waterloo ontario 
I asked Omi from Goldfinch. I was like, hey, are you guys like planning on touring? Like seeing if they wanted to tour together. Mm-hmm. And Omi was like, yeah. And then one thing led to another and we ended up, he ended up just like letting me go on the full two week, like out to the <laughs> East coast of Canada and back Goldfinch and Corbin tour. Uh, so that was super easy and super nice of Omi just to let me hop on a tour. So thanks for that. <laughs> um, and yeah, end of 2018, um because alex and i we were talking about like we were like casually saying hey like we both have solo projects like let's do something with it mm-hmm. and uh finally like come like september uh of 2018 we were finally like okay let's let's actually do it so we booked it ourselves and i've never booked a tour before and so that was like my first time ever you know dipping my feet into the water of, you know, um, booking a whole ass tour. Like I've booked like, like shows for myself before and like one-offs, but I've never done like a full tour. So after Alex and I did that, did like a week in the States, got Mm -hmm. that under our belt. It felt like, I don't know, it felt very, very fulfilling. It was like one of those things where it's like, you never knew you could do it until you just jumped in, said, screw it. And like tried um and then then what was it uh oh yeah uh then last summer i did like a few days with my good friend gino uh he plays in safe Safe bet Bet. and then the end of 2019 i did my first full band solo tour with my friend luke rainsford from the uk so i guess like three tours and a weekend run and then i was supposed to do like a full tour with uh safe bet uh in may but that obviously got canceled so we're gonna figure that out at some point yeah that seems to be the trend it's like yeah we were gonna do like austin tour lineup 2020 was gonna be the year of austin tour lineups yeah and then it didn't happen it's fine i'm fine but (laughs) i think i had four tours get canceled um because rarity was supposed to go to europe yeah um i was supposed to do a solo tour with safe bet rarity was supposed to do another tour that was supposed to happen like right now actually and then i was supposed to go over to the uk solo so there's four things that sort of got canned uh and you know at first i was bummed but then after a while it was like okay maybe this is just like a reset maybe this is like obviously i'm not discrediting how many people have gotten affected through all this, but I'm talking about like just through purely trying to find like a silver lining and tours getting canceled. Yeah. Um, maybe this is just like a reset button and then it'll give us all time to, you know, catch our breath. If, you know, bands that were moving very fast, just needed a breather. Maybe this was like a breather that they didn't know that they needed. Um, gives bands like tons of time to like write new records Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so, and just like finding, uh, you know, creativity. Maybe they thought that they were losing their creativity, and yeah. maybe being inside their head for, uh, you know, every single day helped them, you know, dish out songs that they otherwise would have never written. Or, or unfortunately, I know some people it had the opposite effect, where they were not creative at all. They like felt like they couldn't write anything. Um, so obviously like it affected everyone differently yeah for Um, sure 
the main thing is just like not letting it not let it kill you like don't let it like obviously just don't let you know being inside of your head for so long and not working don't let that like overcome you um yeah i don't know tours can happen you know whenever in the future mm-hmm. i wrote i wrote 2020 off in april so it's just like and seeing like promoters still like trying to do shows like this year it's like man like read the room just let this year go yeah get, start planning all your stuff out for next year it's like i normally plan my year my years out like a year in advance yeah like, i had my entire 2020 like already planned out and you know what obviously it sucks when you're someone that relies on like like i have iphone notes for everything like down to like foods that i don't like i have an iphone note of foods that i don't like like what the <laughs> hell does that mean and it's just like i would have my entire year planned out on my iphone and you know for someone that needs lists and someone that needs uh to be able to look at that and know what i'm doing like five months from now because it's just like it's just like an outlet that like helps me like you know go through my day-to-day yeah it sucked having to you know not have that note not know what i'm gonna be doing yeah like six months from now but i could have let it you know scare me away but you know i just tried embracing it uh and you know we're all just doing the best we can oh for sure we all are just doing the best that we can yeah oh definitely i feel like this is like the time for like it's like artistic reflection to like take a break because I think some of us like go full force straight ahead and like what you were saying like some bands probably just like tour 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 and it's like oh well they probably didn't take a break so they didn't like die okay and yeah I mean there's there is a silver like definitely it's been a rough year for sure but I have high hopes for next year and I'm like it's just a time for us to like reflect back and and chill and get creative and or don't be creative maybe you know maybe we just chill and that's okay so it'll work out it'll all be good i don't think there's any shame with not being creative oh yeah no some people maybe some people have like just written like two records and they just need time to not focus on music like it works the opposite way too which is like completely fine um i was one of the people that got like super hyper creative and it like took over me i like i finished writing my solo my next solo record which is like 11 songs um i wrote like 10 rarity demos so i'm sure like a couple of those songs will be on a new album at some point and I started writing for like a like a SoundCloud like singing. I it's not SoundCloud rap, but it's like like in the same vein of SoundCloud rap. Yeah. Uh, so I started you know doing that project too. And on top of that, I you know I started like streaming every week. So it was more so like I was going nuts at home all the time. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, I was just like, okay, I'm going to finish my solo record. I'm going to write 10 rarity songs. I'm going to do the SoundCloud, like for, it's called First Breath, the, that project. Um, and I just kept going because I just like, yeah. it was like a gas tank that could never be completely filled. That's what like my mind felt like. 
So I just kept on going. And then I finally reached the point where I was like, okay, I like, I've satiated all of my creative needs for now. I'm going to go to bed and maybe I'll write another song next week. But yeah, it, uh, it felt good. It almost like naturally pulled out, you know, creative ideas that were just lingering. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think even like for people that maybe were doing that before anything, this is a good time. Maybe they need to go find like a new hobby to separate themselves and then you can come back to it with a fresh mind. Like, I think there's a world of opportunities. And I think it's just important that people, like, find something that they enjoy doing so that we don't mm-hmm. all go crazy. <laughs> I started but, playing synth. Uh, like, I've yeah. never, I've always wanted to, like, play piano and stuff. Um, but I guess I think piano is, like, the hardest instrument in the world. I, like, I, I commend all of the pianists out there. Um, and so one day I had like, I cut my finger at work and I cut it pretty bad. So like, I couldn't play guitar and I was just sitting at home. I didn't have a shift that day. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try learning things that rhyme with orange by I set my friends on fire. I'm going to try learning that like <laughs> synth keyboard intro. If you're familiar with it, oh, the yeah. one where it's like, like, and like that part is so sick. So I tried being creative in other ways. Like I couldn't yeah. put my fingers to a string, but I could, you know, try learning and I set my friends on fire synthesizer part instead. <laughs> there you go. The next, uh, the next rarity album's going to be Crabcore. We're going to bring uh, Crabcore back. Oh my God. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that would be, that would be interesting. I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, wait, for sure. I wouldn't be mad. Well, well, because it's like that would that would suck for us only because um, right now, like I've been normally I'm not one of those people that like care about like the comments and reading, you know, reviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but my one favorite thing that I've been seeing lately is people saying that we're consistent. And that's my favorite compliment ever, because that shows that, you know, we have a good formula of like creating good music mm-hmm. and we're able to like stick to it and keep on you know producing results right yeah um so if we did a crab core album that would just like all of these nice comments it would just put all of that to waste i feel <laughs> because we're trying to like i think leave it alone is a good song i i, I want like you know every other song from now on to sort of be at the same level as leave it alone mm-hmm. um and yeah if we did just like a crab core album out of nowhere like Everyone would be like, actually, Rarity's not consistent because they put out a damn crab core album. <laughs> they so. lost all consistency. I'm taking back my comment. Right click yeah, delete. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Control alt deleted. There you go. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> nice. So, um, when you have been on tours and things like that, have you guys ever, or have you even on a solo tour ever come across like a like weird or crazy experience that you want to share with us? Oh my god. And it doesn't have to be at the show. 99% of the time it's not at the show. That's that's a fair point. Um <laughs> Okay, um I'm just going to like say this one prank that we did on Stick Up Kid cuz that was like my favorite thing <laughs> that we've ever done and I didn't even know it was happening until like 10 minutes before the show. So, we we're playing the show in Albany 
and it was in I forget what it was called, but it was this huge Albany venue in this huge Albany mall, and it's all connected. And so it's like if you walk out, there's like there's like a full on like bowling rink or bowling, bowling alley. alley. Not <laughs> imagine a bowling rink. Like that would suck. That would be like <laughs> that would be objectively like the worst creation someone could have made. That would be so dangerous. Um, and so. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I'm like walking around in this big mall and Adam calls me. I'm buying shorts that have tigers on them. So obviously like I'm really busy and Adam calls <laughs> yes. me and I'm like, Adam, like, what's up? Like I'm buying tiger shorts. Like I, I don't have all the time in the world right now. He's <laughs> like, I need to explain to you like the best thing that's about to happen. <laughs> so what Adam did at this venue in Albany, you can project things like onto the screen behind you. Mm-hmm. And, and so Adam talked to the sound guy and he arranged this thing so that um, basically his laptop, whatever is playing on his laptop would be connected to the sound guy's laptop, which would be connected to the actual screen. So what he did was he had his laptop up, he called me and all I had to do was accept the call on his laptop. and. So Stick Up Kid started their set every night with this slow song. And it's like, boo doo 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 beautiful chord. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, like such a, such like a, like a chord that like angels sing. And, and on the <laughs> screen, you can see me, um, like eating a bunch of Chinese food, like takeout. <laughs> And it's projected on the screen behind Stick Up Kid. <laughs> and I'm, like, going in. I'm, like, like crushing these noodles. Like, I'm, like, murdering these noodles. <laughs> and, and like, the song doesn't even have drums in it, like, until the end. So it's, like, this whole, I woke up to the sound. It's, like, I love that song. Uh, listen to Stick Up Kid if you're watching this. I love like, Stick Up Kid so much. One of my favorite bands and, you know... They've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And so, yeah, none of the members even looked back. So they thought that, like, the audience was just, like, laughing at them. And <laughs> when we talked after the set, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't I didn't mean that at all. Like, you know, like, we were just trying to have some fun. But they were cool. They all thought it was funny. <laughs> um, and then uh, oh, I forgot about telling how Adam called me. It was basically just Adam giving me, like, the rundown of, like, this plan, this, like, heist. Um, (laughs) And then, so, I did that for the entire set. I (laughs) ate food that was projected in front of all these (laughs) New Yorkers for Stick Up Kids' entire set. Oh, my God. Um, And then they have this one song. um, And so, I basically, I do, like, a guest vocal spot on it. So, for that one part. For people, obviously, people obviously caught on like throughout the set that it was like the the guy from Rarity was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I go, I leave the laptop and I go up to sing my guest part, and so everyone was like, everyone was like, "Whoa!" Like at the end of the show, they were like, "Whoa!" I didn't know it was like you, and it was all connected and it was all planned out. And I was like, "Yeah, it was hilarious, wasn't it?" Because it was hilarious. <laughs> and then they had like a couple songs left. I went back you know, continue to eat. And yeah, I think maybe that wasn't like the craziest moment, but that was definitely like one of the funniest moments that I've had. That's, that's pretty great. (laughs) I 
could just imagine. I could just like imagine you like eating with like without your mouth closed, like totally like worst etiquette ever. I Chinese like lo mein coming out of your mouth, like. like <laughs> I used the fork, but I was definitely messy. I didn't want to get all my my fingers yeah. dirty. Yeah, uh, true. But but my mouth, I I wasn't doing like the. I wasn't doing like the uh, the no elbows at the table thing. I was like, wasn't doing the close your mouth thing. That I was sort of being a little bit gross, but it made it funny <laughs> when it was projected like thirty feet in the air. <laughs> that is amazing. I absolutely love that. <laughs> All right, this is a uh, this is another question that we've uh, we've been asking, and this is kind of off topic from this. Um, what, okay. is, what is the best gas station? Oh my god. Well, because see, here the thing is like in Canada, our gas stations are not as cool as American gas stations. Like, we don't have full on, like, full on, like, restaurant, like, fast food things connected with gas stations a lot. Yeah. Um, I know everyone is like debating like the sheets and like Wawa thing. That's probably what like, not what the question is like geared towards, but I feel like those are like the two that I'm thinking of. Um, oh, there's also like Bucky's in like Texas, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? I'm going to say all, all gas stations are fine. They all have gas. So, you know, you, you already know what you're going to get. Like, you know, you're going to get gas and then they happen to have food in them too. Um, Sheets and Wawa, you know what, I'm gonna, like, piss off the internet and say that Sheets and Wawa, they're both good. They're both good places, and <laughs> they should both play soccer without the soccer ball, because no one's winning, no one's winning this gas station, you know, <laughs> battle, kerfuffle, it's fine. You get your gas, you get food that's, like, alright, and then you leave. Exactly. So... That's what my favorite gas station is. None of, of them. them. <laughs> oh, none of <laughs> none them. Of that them. Works too. They all smell bad <laughs> at some point in time. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's kind of been like your favorite um, city to go to and play a show in? Ooh. Um, I'll, I'm going to have multiple answers. Okay. Uh, That's totally fine. So, as, as far as Canada, um, I love... I love Halifax, Nova Scotia. I love Winnipeg. I love, I hate the city of Toronto, but I love playing shows in Toronto. Yeah. Um, Hamilton, because it's our hometown. Oh my God. Now I'm just like, now it's just like geography lesson. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love, I love Halifax, love Toronto, love Hamilton, love Winnipeg, love Edmonton. I'm just thinking of like shows where it's like, I've had like the most fun at shows where like the most people show up. Yeah. Um, I think like last year on the longest lonesome tour, uh, the Winnipeg show was like the highest attended show of the entire tour. And it absolutely blew me away because we, I've played Winnipeg with the guys once before. And this time it was like a rarity headliner. And the fact that so many people showed up will, it just means like Winnipeg will always have my heart. Um, also, Prince Edward Island, uh, like Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island is my favorite place in the world. Like out of every single place in the world, PEI, 
is like the best province ever. It's just like, I want to die there. I straight <laughs> up, like whenever I die, I don't know when that is, but it's like, I want to die there because <laughs> it will be great. Um, and you'll be on and your then, bed dead and you'll be like, take me there now. <laughs> yeah. Like if I'm to about die to there. die, straight up, if I'm about to die and I'm in like Hamilton, like that sucks. Like I'll be like, <laughs> get me, I'll pay however much. Like I got a MasterCard. I have good credit rating. Just like fly me out to PEI to die. Um, but yeah, all jokes aside, that place is just so beautiful. Um, as far as the states goes, um, I've never played in LA technically, so I can't say LA. We played in Anaheim, so playing at Chain Reaction for the first time ever was super cool. Um, oh, oh my God! Why didn't I say this? Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. For some reason, like we've the developed this it, like yeah, the masquerade. group of people that yeah, at the masquerade at the drunken horse, um, we've developed this like just group of people that really like us. And um, yeah, when we went there the last time, it seemed like you know, obviously you see um, when you're doing a headliner, you know it would be people that obviously like your band would go to the show. Yeah. And it was just like, we, we were very much blown away doing like a headliner and people in Atlanta like showed up so hard. Um, so I'm going to say Anaheim, Atlanta, and then uh, Chicago. We have so many friends in Chicago. Whenever we go to Chicago, it's like, I always know it's going to be such a fun time. Yeah. So Anaheim, Chicago, Atlanta, and then I had one more. I had one more. I was thinking of. Um, uh, okay, let, let's just like keep. Let, let's just move on, and then I'll, <laughs> if I remember it, I'll just yell the city out of nowhere. Just shout it. She's like, "Is this? Yeah, do it." Yeah, I found that like those three, those three places have been the popular ones amongst the people that we've talked to. They're like, mm-hmm. because like, they're like mas- the masquerade just rolls out the red carpet for people. Chain reaction is like, you know, historical. It's just legendary. Chicago is like, people go apparently hard AF there. The other place is Texas. Albany. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the fourth one. And there I you told go. you I would yell. So that's you right. Knew. You, you knew did it. Was it. Coming. I knew. I was here for it. I was ready to catch it. <laughs> I think Atlanta's probably my favorite though. Atlanta, it's that Southern hospitality. Atlanta's my favorite, just like the venue and nothing against like if we're not playing the masquerade, but it's like if you go to the masquerade, you know you're gonna get taken care of. Um, you know you're gonna see a dog, you know you're gonna play on a six stage, you know people are gonna roll out. It's you know you're gonna have a shower, you know you're gonna like walk through, you know, the crazy like corridors and stuff where it looks like hogwarts like <laughs> like you like you could get attacked by a basilisk at any moment <laughs> so like atlanta georgia legendary that southern hospitality love it so on top of that and i think you kind of just said it but do you have like a favorite venue of all time masquerade <laughs> masquerade <laughs> um, there was a few things. though if we're talking about um like international there was pretty much every single venue we played on the casey tour in 2018 
in like the UK and in Europe, minus like a couple of venues, they could all be like front runners for number one too. So I'm going to say the masquerade and then, uh, just look at the KC tour poster from 2018 because pretty much all of those venues were perfect and treated us so, so well, better than like people like treat me anywhere else. I've heard nothing but good things about like the venues in the UK and in Europe. Yeah. It's just, um, well, cause like they have like government funding, mm-hmm. uh, like at least I know Europe does like government funding, like towards like music and the arts. Because they hold like the arts like at such like a higher in such higher regard than like other places do, mm-hmm. um, so I feel like that sort of ties in with why the venues are so nice, um, or like a lot of the venues have like um, they have like not like hotels but they have like rooms already there like above the venue or mm-hmm. like close by that like the venue owns. And they just let you sleep there for free and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. And then they give you, like, free food and free beer. And, yeah, that was, like, that was such a good tour. Um, Yeah. I never knew what touring like that was uh, before I did it. And now it's just, like, it was just, like, you know, I can't wait to go back. (laughs) It's basically what I'm trying to say. I can't wait to go back whenever that may be. That's awesome. Yeah, you don't get that out here. I know a lot of our friends that come through like, hey guys, anyone have a place to stay? And we're like, well, you can sleep on our couch. <laughs> like, I will always take a couch. And, there you uh, go. The fact that like anyone is even down to, you know, how is this in the first place, you know, speaks, speaks. What's the saying? I was trying to say it. Speaks a volumes. Um, Speaks volumes, yeah, <laughs> volumes. C- crank it to eleven. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's just a it's a personal thing of ours, but like, I feel like if we were ever in a situation like that, like we would hope that people would be kind, and so we we try to extend that ourselves to other people and be like, hey, you need a place to stay while you're on tour. Come here, we got you. Yeah, and I'm a native Georgian, so obviously I have to live up to the standards that the masquerade sets and show that southern hospitality to people. And you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So did you, did you like did you grow up like going to shows at the masquerade and stuff? No. Like? So I actually moved. Um, by the when I turned eighteen, I moved out of state. So like by the time I could have like gone to Atlanta with friends to go to shows and stuff. Um, because before then, like. I lived about two hours away from Atlanta, and I didn't really have any friends. My parents were like, um, you need to go to these shows with someone. And I'm like, okay, you're probably right, but... <laughs> yeah. So, my sister um, goes the all the time. Other... Say, so, she's still, like, in Georgia then? Mm-hmm. My whole family is, yeah. Uh, uh, you said two hours away. The only other city I know in Georgia is Athens. Were you, like, in that area? No, so opposite direction. Um. I was in Augusta, so oh, a different one. Augusta. No one ever goes to Augusta. I think I'm getting like all confused right now. I think we stayed in Augusta at some point. That name rings a bell. Georgia's big though, so I don't know. Georgia is is really big. (laughs) So here's the thing about Augusta that may have happened: is it is not that far from Columbia. 
So I don't know if you ever, and like Columbia is more popular for places sometimes, but it's on the border of South Carolina. But I think we stayed irrelevant. somewhere like an hour south, an hour south of Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, you probably didn't do it. Yeah, that wouldn't have been Augusta. Augusta, Augusta a- has one venue and it's an arena. Whoa. So you'd think it would have more, but they're not there yet. Yeah. Atlanta's <laughs> like the the metropolis of, yes. of Georgia anyway. Yes, it is. Yeah. Let's just move back to Augusta and we'll open up a venue for you guys. Let's not. <laughs> Let's not and say we did. <laughs> there you go. Right on. All right. Well, I think we're going to start wrapping up. Um, we have a question that we always ask uh, at the end of the show, and you can take a second to think about it. But what okay. is your dream tour lineup? Oh, okay. I already know this. Coheed uh, and Cambria headlining. Uh, Alex Sunfire direct support, uh, Dance Gavin Dance, and then us. Um, so that that's the Rarity Dream tour lineup. Okay. And then the Solo Dream tour lineup um, is this one. I haven't put as much thought into. Um, <laughs> Kurt Travis. It'll all. It'll be all solo. All solo artists <laughs> okay. that I look up to. So, actually, no. Dashboard Confessional will headline. Right on. Um, okay. Kurt Travis from A Lot Like Birds and Dance, Gavin Dance, will be direct support. And then me. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I want to do that right now. Sounds Just like dream it up. It's going to yeah, happen. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we had... Um, I think we were just like screwing around like on the group chat like a a few months ago and I asked everyone that question what Mm -hmm. the dream tour lineup would be so I already had that one like in the back pocket (laughs) yeah like like, throw that answer out like whenever I want yeah it's fun to ask because it's like it's fun to like hear what other people say we've had some like oh well we'll just go on tour with Imagine Dragons I'm like okay damn let's go (laughs) we talked to hotel books are you familiar with hotel books I love hotel books. So we talked yeah. we talked with him and uh he was like, I want to tour with Imagine Dragons, uh He's like and Weezer. And Weezer <laughs> and Hotel Books. Holy what a what a tour that like makes no sense exactly. at all. Exactly. Like would be really cool. And then like we had so Young Culture send like uh I don't even I don't remember. It was it was like now. Kendrick Lamar. And <laughs> yeah. Travis Scott and Young Culture. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Astro Culture World. Um, <laughs> Lamar 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 Astro, Astro Culture World. Culture World. It will yeah. it, it'll just be called Damn. Astro yeah. Culture. Yeah. <laughs> Astro Culture. <laughs> damn. <laughs> Astro Culture. Damn. <laughs> Damn, I want to tour with hotel books now. Like, I'm thinking of, like, so many other options that I, like, missed out on. Wow. No, you know what? I I just want to tour with Kurt Travis. Kurt Travis is, like, one of my favorite, like, vocalists and, like, Mm -hmm. creatives of all time. So, yeah. 
Yeah, everything I said, but like mainly Kurt Travis. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, if you guys want to check out those who are listening, if you guys want to check out Rarity, um, they're on all streaming platforms, and check them out at Instagram and Twitter on rare at Rarity Band. Um, you can also check out Corbin at Corbin Drew G I R O U X. Um, on Instagram and a lonely estate on Twitter and he is also on all streaming platforms it's true it's there it's ready for your ears to listen <laughs> <laughs> and your eyes to see on social media anyway <laughs> cool thank you for listening to On Tour With if you like what you heard consider leaving us a comment and a like you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at On Tour With Pod and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching for On Tour With Podcast We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until then, thanks for riding along. I've been away. Took it all in, but still expected the worst. Guess I'm used to this, cause it isn't the first time I've become a ghost. I guess it's not my time, and I'll never get things right. And I'll never say a single thing that's on my mind Guess it's just not right for me to get involved with anything else